You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. Before we jump into our message today, I want to take a quick minute and remind you that next Sunday, as we've been reminding you for the last several weeks, that next Sunday is our Go Conference. This is an opportunity for us as a church to see what God is doing around the world. So we have missionaries from Uruguay, New Zealand, and uh, the Ivory Coast, and then one lady who's been in, I think, 52 countries, something like that, over the last 26 years, who goes and teaches children and teaches people how to teach as well. So I want to give you a really just a quick snapshot of what's going to happen next week. Next Sunday, at the uh, 9 and 10.30 service, in the service itself, we, you'll get to meet all of the missionaries, and then we'll have one of the missionaries stay in here, and they will share their story. Um, I'll interview them, and then they'll give us a message um, about calling us to missions to follow the Lord in that way. It'll be an encouragement to your heart. Then, at the during those hours, we have two breakouts. So one in Krieger Hall and one in the room 201. And the other missionaries that aren't a part of the service will be in those rooms and they'll show their videos. Uh, they'll be interviewed by uh, Pastor Todd and Tim, our student director. And you'll get to hear their stories, get to meet them, interact with them. And so I would encourage you next Sunday, if this is your normal service, you come to the 1030, I would encourage you to show up at nine o'clock and go to one of the breakout rooms. Preferably, probably it would be Krieger Hall if you're going to come to the 1030 service because whoever is speaking at the, not at the 1030 service will be the same one who will be in 201. So you'll probably want to go to Krieger Hall and then come to this service and you'll get to hear it's three different sets of missionaries. So just know it's going to be a little bit different, but I'd encourage you to be fully engaged next week and next Sunday in particular. I know sometimes in our Go conference, it can seem like maybe this is a good Sunday to take off. It's a little bit different of a schedule. And I would encourage you not to do that because these are missionaries who have given their lives to take the gospel to really the ends of the earth. And your presence really matters. When they look out and they see a room full of people that are interested in what God is doing in their life and through their life, and they walk in an auditorium that's full of people that are interested and excited about what God's doing, that encourages their heart to continue in the mission that God has called them to. So just encourage you. Be here next Sunday, be at both services. There'll be booths in the lobby where you'll get to meet the uh, missionaries and interact with them, go up to them, shake their hand, say hey to them, let them know you're gonna be praying for them. Typically they have prayer cards that they'll give you. Uh, so just encourage you to be fully engaged next Sunday. Then on Monday night, the ladies will meet right in this room at 6 p.m. Uh, where you get to interact with the missionaries and the, the wives and, and uh, Mary Herman as well. So I encourage you to be here 
on Monday night, 6 p.m. Men, we meet on Tuesday night at 6 p.m. at the Myers home. If you go out to our church website, antiochbbc.org, you can see where that is. You can look up the, uh, the address. But at 6 p.m., we'll meet there for barbecue and prayer time. And then on Wednesday night at 6 p.m., we meet right back here at the church, actually out in the church uh, parking lot outside the cafe area. We'll set it up with lights and tables will be out there and we'll have pizza for everybody that night and we'll just celebrate what God has done. We'll pray over the missionaries. We give them a gift to say thank you for being here. And so I would encourage you, just put it on your calendar next Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday to be fully engaged in our Go Conference. It's going to be a great week. You'll be encouraged. You'll be glad that you were a part of it. And so please um, make it a priority because your presence does matter at these things. And we want you to be involved in what God is doing around the world. This morning, though, I'd like to take just a minute to lay the foundation for the next several weeks as we hear from these missionaries, as the following Sunday we call you to financially be a part of missions through faith promise. And so I think it's really important if we're going to do these two Sundays where we sort of set apart our normal activity, our normal uh, things that we do from week to week to focus on missions, I think it's really important that we know the why behind the what, right? That we know why we are going to take two Sundays to think about taking the gospel to the ends of the, the earth. The why question for us comes from this one question that we have to answer. And the one question that we have to answer is this, what is man's greatest need? What is man's greatest need? The answer to this question helps us understand the why behind what of missions is what is man's greatest need? Go with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. Luke is in the New Testament side of your Bible. It's found in a section known as the Gospels. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So if you get to John, you've gone too far, go back to Luke. If you hit Matthew, go a little bit farther and you'll run into Luke. And I want to share a couple of stories with you where Jesus is confronted with this question, what is man's greatest need? And Jesus coming from the Father, coming from God, uh, God the Son, he would probably have a pretty good answer to this question of what is man's greatest need. And through these stories, Jesus allows us to see what man's greatest need is. The first one we find is in Luke chapter 12 in verse 13. Look at it with me. It says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, Tell my brothers to divide the inheritance with me. So some guy is ticked that his brother's not sharing the inheritance with him. But verse 14, he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Right? The reason that I've come is not to divide your inheritance. That's not the reason that I've come. And he said to this man, take care and be on guard or be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions so if we're asking the question what is man's greatest need jesus would say man's greatest need is not wealth 
that it does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. So the greatest need in your life is not to make more money. It's, it's not that health, wealth, and prosperity kind of idea. If that was so, Jesus would have said a different answer to this guy who's like, hey, make sure that I get mine from my brother. In fact, Jesus goes on and says, let me tell you a parable. Now, the nice thing is we've been studying parables in Matthew 13. So we know that a parable is a practical story that illustrates a spiritual truth. And so Jesus says, here, I'm going to tell you a story in verse 16. Look at it. He told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for you for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. So this guy, his stocks are going through the roof today, right? Like, I mean, he's got so much money that he doesn't know what to do with it. So he's going to tear down and build bigger things to store all of his money. He has more than enough. If his greatest need was wealth, this guy is overflowing with wealth. But look at what Jesus says in this parable in verse 20. But God said to this man, fool, this night... Your soul is required of you and all the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So Jesus says to this man in this parable, your greatest need is not wealth. Your greatest need is a right relationship with God. Because tonight you're going to die And you're going to stand before the Lord. And you're not going to be able to say, look at how many barns I had that was full of stuff. Your soul will be required of you. And so in this moment, Jesus is saying that man's greatest need is a right relationship with God. So let's look at another story, Matthew chapter 9. So wealth is not man's greatest need. Then maybe Physical healing would be man's greatest need, right? Like that's a positive thing. Like wealth is good, but maybe the down and outer, the one who's experiencing a, 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 a sickness and, and, and pain, maybe, maybe that would be the greatest need that Jesus would come to meet is man's physical needs. But look at Matthew chapter 9 and a story that Matthew shares with us. It says this in Matthew 9 verse 1 through 8, And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city, Behold, people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. What an odd thing to do. Why did they bring the paralytic to Jesus? So that his sins could be forgiven? No, the answer to that question is no. They did not bring him for that reason. It wasn't like, hey, this guy needs to have his sins forgiven, so I'm going to bring this guy to Jesus so he can continue to lay in his bed paralyzed, but at least his sins are forgiven, right? No, they had brought this man to Jesus so that his paralysis could be healed, so that he could get up from the bed that he'd been laying on and walk. That's why they brought him to Jesus. And yet Jesus says, I look at the faith of the people that brought you. I look at your faith and I'm saying to you, your sins are going to be forgiven. And behold, verse 3 says, some of the scribes, 
the, they were experts in the law, said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. Why? Because only God can forgive sins. So they're saying to themselves, well, this is not why the man's come, and this is blasphemy that, that he is saying that he can forgive sins. So Jesus, verse 4, knows their hearts. And he says, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise up and walk? The answer to that question is to say rise up and or to say your sins are forgiven. Because you can't really see externally that, right? So internal, he could say your sins are forgiven and he's just, it's a hoax. He's just making it up, right? So he's saying to them, it's really easier for me to say your sins are forgiven than it is to say rise up and walk because then the proof is in the pudding. That if, if, if the guy doesn't get up and walk, then he's not really who he says he is. Verse six, but that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he turns to the paralytic and he says, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and went home. And when the crowd saw it, they were afraid and they glorified God who had given such authority, who had given such authority to men. Jesus says, I want you to understand that man's greatest need is not healing. I'm going to heal this man. But his greatest need is forgiveness of sins. His greatest need is a right relationship with God. Both of these stories with Jesus in Luke chapter 12 and Matthew chapter 9 are showing us that man's greatest need is not wealth. Man's greatest need is not even healing. Man's greatest need is a right relationship with God through Jesus. This is man's greatest need. D.A. Carson, a theologian, puts it this way. If God had perceived that our greatest need was economic, he would have sent an economist. If he had perceived that our greatest need was entertainment, he would have sent us a comedian or an artist. If God had perceived that our greatest need was, a, was political stability, he would have sent us a politician. If he had perceived that our greatest need was health, he would have sent us a doctor. But he perceived that our greatest need involved our sin, our alienation from him, our profound rebellion, our death, and therefore he sent us a savior. Man's greatest need is a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus has met our greatest need. This is why the Father sent his Son to meet our greatest need. And through Jesus living the life that you and I couldn't live because of our sin, we fall short of the glory of God. Jesus lived that life. He didn't fall short of the glory of God. He was the perfect sacrifice. So he gives of himself. He dies on the cross for our sins. He takes the wrath of God that was rightfully ours on himself. And he dies. He is buried. And three days later, he walks out of the grave, conquering death, conquering sin, conquering the devil. And today, your greatest need is met through the person of Jesus Christ. And so my question for you is this, do you have a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ? 
Could you stand in those baptism waters and share your story of going from death to life? Of going from being not in a right relationship with God, but through Jesus Christ being in a right relationship with God? Could you share that story of your own? If not, I would invite you right where you're sitting to believe in Jesus. Accept that you're a sinner, that you fall short of the glory of God. Believe that Jesus died for your sins, was buried and rose again, and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you believe that he died for you, was buried and rose again. Confess that with your mouth, agree with God, and the Bible says in that moment you become a child of God. In that moment you have a right relationship with God through Jesus. Would you do that right now? It's your greatest need. Your greatest need is not a better marriage. Your greatest need is not a bigger house or better education or more food or more money or more clothes. Your greatest need is a right relationship with Jesus Christ. And today, you can start that relationship with Him. If you have a right relationship with God through Jesus, and you believe that this is man's greatest need, then our responsibility and our thinking should be, how do we get this word out? What is our role to play in letting man know that their greatest need is not more stuff? Their greatest need is not healing from their diseases. That their greatest need is a right relationship with God. What is our role? How do we get the word out? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you. Romans chapter 10 gives us a couple of ways that we, roles that we play in this. The first one I want you to notice is from Romans chapter 10 and verse 14. This comes right on the heels of Paul saying, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you've called, if you just now called on the name of the Lord to save you, you've been rescued from a wrong relationship with God, a relationship that has gone south, and now you're in a right relationship with God. And so Paul is building on this thinking of believing in Jesus, calling on the Lord. How do we get the word out? Look at what he says in verse 14. How then will they call on them in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom, and here's an important word, of whom... They have never heard. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? The idea is this, that we have to go. Part of our role, if we believe that man's greatest need is a right relationship with God, we've got to get the word out. Because there's a world out there that's never heard about their greatest need. There's a world out there that doesn't know that Jesus has come to meet their greatest need. And it is our responsibility to go and to share Jesus. The second responsibility that you'll find or the, the role that we play is in verse 15. How are they to preach unless, and here's the key word, they are sent. It is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So Paul doesn't say that we just got to go. We also have to send. 
We have to send people out to share the good news of man's greatest need being met through the person of Jesus Christ. We have to be a church that is a sending church. That's why we hold you with open hands here at Antioch. It's not about us four and no more and how many people can we cram in this room and that measures the success of our church. The success of our church is how many of you go out How many go to Indian Hills, Colorado to share the gospel with those that have never heard? How many of you go to Cusco, Peru to share the good news? How many of you go to Lima, Peru, to Manila, Philippines? How many of you go out from this place that we send out to take the good news that we have the answer to man's greatest need and it is Jesus? We must be a sending church. In 2 Corinthians, we find the third role that we play. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in verse 3, Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth here, and he's talking about these churches of Macedonia, and he's talking about their generosity. And in verse 3, he says of 2 Corinthians 8, For they gave according to their means. As I can testify, Paul says, They just didn't give according to their means. They gave beyond their means of their own accord. Why did they give? They gave so that the gospel could continue to move forward. And you as a church family are faithful to give to faith promise missions so that the gospel can go to the ends of the earth. Because you're faithful to give, we as a church family support 80 missionaries and 17 organizations around the world that are advancing the cause of Christ. That believe that man's greatest need is a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And they're doing all they can to get the word out to the ends of the earth. Because you're faithful to give, we can be a part of 80 missionaries and 17 organizations that get the opportunity to be on the front lines of taking the gospel. Last year, you as a church family committed on Faith Promise Sunday to give $290,000 to world missions. Again, this is above and beyond our tithes. You said, we're willing to give $290,000 above and beyond our tithes to advance the cause of Christ. And as of last Sunday, you as a church family have given $381,000 to world and local missions. Amen. Wow, thank you for being a generous church that gives so that the gospel can be advanced to the ends of the earth so that men and women and boys and girls all over the world can know what their greatest need is and who the answer to their greatest need is. Because you've been faithful to give, we've set a goal of over the next seven years to give $3 million to world and local missions. And now we're down to $2.6 million uh, because you have been faithful to give. And I, I, I didn't expect us to laugh about that, but I just want to say thank you. Like when we set a goal for this, it's all by God's grace that we're going to see this happen. And so I see that as, man, that's really cool. We're already headed towards our goal. Almost $400,000. We're already heading the direction that we desire to see happen over the next seven years. Thank you for being a generous church. The last role that we play in getting the word out is through prayer. Look, at, with, look with me at Matthew chapter 9 and verse 38. Jesus says this, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. 
Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The fourth role that we play in getting the word out is to pray. Pray that God will send laborers into the harvest to see people come and know Jesus Christ. Last year, we had a uh, man come to our missions conference by the name of John Connor up, and he's the BBFI, the Baptist Bible Fellowship Missions Director. And so he oversees the missions wing of the fellowship. And he is challenging churches all over the country, all over the world, to join him in what he's referring to as the 938 challenge, that we would take Matthew 938, and on that time, whether in the morning or in the evening, we would pray. And so I wanted you to hear John's heart, and we as a church family joining in praying that God will send laborers to the harvest. Turn your attention to the screens. The world population has gone over 8 billion. And with that growth comes a greater responsibility to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. People all over the world are searching for answers concerning their burdens, their sins, and life after death. At the same time, our missionary force is decreasing, like many others have. We know Jesus is the answer because his death paid for all sins and his resurrection gives life after death with the Father in heaven. Therefore, it is imperative that we see men and women answering God's call to missions. You know, Jesus saw the same situation when he walked on this earth. He spoke about what some call the harvest prayer three times in the Gospels, and each time it was in a completely different geographical location. The first time was in John 4, verse 35. The disciples were with Jesus in Samaria, and Jesus said, Say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. It was a desolate place, and the Samaritans were despised and subject to the hostility from the average Jew. No matter what people might think of others, God loves them all. We must lift up our eyes and see the people of the world as God sees them. The second time is in Galilee, as seen in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus was going through many cities and villages, teaching and preaching, and healing those various diseases that people had. But it's when he saw their spiritual condition that he was moved with compassion. And then he said in verses 37 and 38, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. The multitudes of people following Jesus at that time, they were troubled and worried and weary, downcast, and spiritually discouraged. The third time is found in Luke chapter 10 and verse 2. Jesus was in Perea, a rugged place, considered out of the way. Now Jesus knew that the time was short before his crucifixion and that there were still many villages that had not yet heard his message. Therefore he said unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the labors are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors into his harvest. Christ saw the harvest of sinners 
knowing that their final judgment was coming. The masses of our world are moving toward divine judgment, with only a few to warn them. Most of them are in hard-to-get-to, out-of-the-way places. Hmm. That thought ought to move us to pray, just as it moved Jesus. So what is the harvest? It is those who are hated and hard to reach, those who are distressed and spiritually discouraged, those searching aimlessly, and in many times in the out-of-the-way places. The harvest is the world. The harvest leaves no one out of the picture. We need missionaries to go into all the world. And Jesus said to pray for more laborers. So let's pray together at 9.38 every day for more to serve in our churches, more church planters here at home, and more missionaries to go to the regions beyond. Many from around the world have already accepted the challenge to pray every day and are planning for that special day of prayer. Any way that you think about it, the harvest we bring in depends on the supply of workers. So I want to challenge our church as we're in this season of prayer and fasting to take this next week and at either 9.38 a.m. or p.m. to pray Matthew 9 38. And I know we've committed to pray five minutes a day, five days a week. And so I want to challenge you over the next week, let's commit to do that at one of these either a.m. or p.m. times where we can pray together, Matthew 9, 38, that the Lord would send laborers to the harvest. He has called us to play a role in getting the word out. And we do that through going, through sending, through giving, and through praying. And if we really believe that man's greatest need is a right relationship with God through Jesus, it should affect how we behave. Because I can't say I believe something and my life doesn't match what I believe. And so if we really believe that man's greatest need is Jesus, is a right relationship with God through Jesus, then let's be a church that behaves in a way that reflects that belief. It should affect how we view our Go Conference. It should affect how we give to faith promise. But ultimately, I think it should trickle down into how we parent our kids, how we work, how we live our lives. If man's greatest need is a right relationship with God through Jesus, it should affect every area of our lives. And my prayer is that it will do that for us as a church. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a church family that is faithful to go, to sin, to give, and to pray. I'm so grateful to be a part of this church family. And I'm asking, Lord, that you would help us to continue to be faithful to go, to send, to give, and to pray. Even in a little practical way this week, that we would at 9.38, whether in the morning or in the, in the evening, that we would pause whatever we're doing and take five minutes and pray to the Lord of the harvest that you will send laborers. And then, Lord, I pray that if there's anyone in this room
that doesn't have a right relationship with you through Jesus. That today they have seen their greatest need and that it is you and that today would be that day of their salvation that they would take that step of faith and say yes to you. Draw them to yourselves, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to AntiochBBC.org. That's AntiochBBC.org. God's best to you.